hello, Collision Boost listeners. This is your host, Jeff Peavy. We are back with another episode of If You Love This Industry, It Will Love You Back, where we interview some of the industry's best-known professionals who are known for their passion for what they do. These individuals will provide inspiration and guidance on your journey to a successful collision repair industry career. Remember, it's not just a job unless you limit it to that, but it certainly can be a solid professional career, and that is our goal for you. Today we sit down with Jake Roddenroth, Director of Industry and OEM Technical Relations for Aztec. And uh, uh, Jake, thanks for being here. I, I've really enjoyed doing these, these interviews. We are at the Collision Industry Conference in Palm Springs. You might actually hear some noise from the pool and some music, which kind of makes that kind of cool, I think. But uh, uh, thanks for taking the time to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm honored to have you here. And, for those of you who don't know, I, I've been very impressed with Jake. He's uh, uh, a huge contributor and probably one of our young guns in the industry that is really making an impact. So I really want you to explain what it is you currently do and who, who your employer is. Okay, so currently I work for uh, Aztec, uh, which stands for Automotive Service Technicians. And uh, what we do is we're the uh, one of the leading remote uh, diagnostic companies uh, out there in the industry. And we... Uh, it, it, we've grown from a little bitty company, kind of an idea on a napkin, all the way up to over 800 employees and, uh, you know, doing business in uh, the U.S., Canada, uh, certainly nine European countries, uh, soon to be uh, Australia and branching into uh, other other areas. So uh, for me, it's been a lot of fun. My, my role at Aztec, uh, my direct responsibility is working with the car companies, uh, helping them understand our technology. Uh, certainly how we could expand the use of their uh, their factory scan tools as it relates to collision repair. Um, so I'm, I'm responsible for kind of managing those relationships and uh, certainly building programs uh, like we, we launched with Nissan later last, last year, uh, helping their certified collision repair networks uh, kind of come to life and use their factory tools across our platform. And uh, so that, that's kind of what I do. And um, certainly I, I, I handle a lot of the industry relations as well. Um, involved in a lot of technical discussions with insurers uh, and shops, major repair organizations. Uh, we, we hold the largest dealer network, uh, over 450 dealership rooftop uh, body shops, where we, uh, we work with those retailers to uh, interface with the vehicles that they work with day to day. Isn't that fascinating? You get to work with car manufacturers. You know, it, it's, who would have thought it? Right? You know, as a kid with the with the massive Hot Wheel collection that I still have, uh, <laughs> it is it is truly a dream come true to come into those places and see kind of what they do day to day and how you know how they do it and and look at what they're doing from an engineering perspective. And uh, I make my dad jealous on a lot of days because I get to see some cool stuff and uh, truly just a dream come true for me. I find that, well, you probably have a bigger Hot Wheel collection than I do, but mine is older. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's, you know, the thing is I find myself passing it on to my four-year-old son because it's like his eyes just light up when the newest one comes across. And, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's just, and that piece is so critical is to be, how do you take a kid that's a, got a Hot Wheel collection and turn them into a professional, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that that is, as, as a kid, if I, if my son was standing here, he would tell you, you know, Dad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on Porsches. That's what I do, you know. And so, <laughs> that, I, I just love that about him. And and you know, he's got it at such a such a young age. He's bit at such a young age yeah. that I know that he'll he'll do something great, you know. So, well, in my family, if it had wheels on it, we loved it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I in fact, uh, my seven year old son got Hot Wheels for for Christmas, <laughs> and uh, 
uh, he got his big carrying case and everything. And yep. uh, I have not gone through that ceremonial process of giving him mine yet. I'm right. still holding on to mine. Right. Right. Mine, are, mine are pretty uh, old. So, uh, well, good. I, I, tell me your story. How did you get here sitting in this seat yep. in Palm Springs, uh, California at the Collision Industry Conference? So tell us your story. Well, I have a, I'm very blessed to have a, a tremendous um, resource of my father. My, my dad was a, uh, he was actually a professional race car driver and he ran the, the role you know, did Rolex type events, you know, running, you know, 500 horsepower Porsche, you know, 944s across the high banks of Daytona and oh, wow. ran several races across the country. And so I, I was a kid that grew up in motorsports. I was chasing my dad around the country, changing tires and pulling engines and, and, and we were racing cars, mm-hmm. you know? And so I really, for me, it really started with, I wanted to be around the cars. I, I first wanted to be a driver. And unfortunately, being a race car driver is kind of like being a musician. It's all about who's seen you. It's not really about how good you are, mm-hmm. um, but it's about how you've performed in front of the right people, right? Yeah. And and so I, I didn't get that shot, unfortunately. So I said, well, if I can't race the cars, I want to be around them. Mm-hmm. And so I did everything I could to, to form uh, an opportunity to work around them. So in my hometown, we have uh, Brumos Porsche as a really big name in the racing circles. Uh, the number three dealership in the country, as far as Porsche volume is concerned, and they had a, they were the the typical you know sell cars Monday through Saturday and then race cars on weekends, right? And so they they did a lot of that, and and uh, I was blessed uh, because of my father's racing relationships uh, to get an opportunity to to wash cars there as a kid, and and that's literally how I started. I was just washing Mercedes Benz and learning those kinds of things, and and I credit my father for sticking me to the hey you know don't assume that you know they're not going to just let you work on somebody's car you're going to go in and you're going to be doing grunt work you're going to be cleaning floors you're going to be waxing cars those kinds of things and you need to excel in all of those things and then as you get opportunities stay late and learn from the guys that are working on the cars Mm -hmm. there's occasions where that mechanic may need an extra pair of hands, even if it's a, an uneducated, un, untalented pair of hands, right? Yeah. And so those are the kinds of things I did. And so it helped that um, I got my first car at 11, and I'm 38 now, and I still own it. And so it's it's a part of me and my father that I've never been able to break mm-hmm. and sell it. And there was times I needed the money, yeah. you know, but I've kept it all these years, and I'm blessed that I have. And so it helped that I was driving a, a vintage uh, Porsche at, at, at you know 16. Um, now it was a poor man's Porsche. It was the 914. You know nothing nothing crazy, but um, you know I was driving to and from high school, and uh, they allowed me to work uh, at the dealer while I was in high school. And so when I got out at two o'clock, I'd go and change into my uniform and. Uh, Go and work on our 25 uh, loaner car fleet of Mercedes-Benz vehicles, and uh, I'd work till seven every night, and I worked every Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I had no Saturday f- life for a long time. Uh, but <laughs> Been there those, that. that's the time you put in, you know, yeah, and, it, and it's that. and it was uh, it was incredibly rewarding. So, um, so you know, I'll tell you that the thing, the turning point for me, and as I talk to young people that are trying to get into the industry always have your eyes open for the opportunity. And in my case, it literally happened on a Saturday where we had two technicians call in sick and we had a lane full of cars, maintenance, oil changes, those kinds of things, right? And I had built such a rapport with the, the technicians in the shop that when I went to the manager and I kept telling him, I said, I can help you with these cars. I can help you. 
I can pick that one up. I can do this and I can do that because I've been doing that with my dad for a long time. And the technicians came to my, uh, to my aid and said, you know what? We'll check his work. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I never washed another car. Wow. I never cleaned another floor. Mm-hmm. I was suddenly thrust into a position to where I was doing basic maintenance and then all of a sudden I'm sent to school for diagnostics, for air conditioning, for, you know, I went through training and then I became a line technician and I was doing line work like the rest of the guys, mm-hmm. right? And so at our dealership, because of the complexity of the cars, they actually had a specialized by chassis. So I was an S-class guy. I could do maintenance on anything, but I would do, you know, uh, full-blown line work on an S-class, right? So... A uh, really valuable experience. I, I think that um, it was the frustrating part for me and why I, I ended up moving into collision um, is that I couldn't, they never put me on flat rate. Mm-hmm. They kept me as a salary employee because I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know. And so when I graduated, I, uh, I decided to take a risk, a calculated risk, and you don't you don't burn those bridges. I still talk to those guys at Mercedes all the time, sure. you know. Uh, but I take, decided to take a risk and say, you know what, I knew, I knew nothing about collision repair, but there's an opportunity for me to get into it at a young age and learn. Right. And I had to take a step back. I had to go back to a parts guy mm-hmm. and from a technician to a parts guy. And so there was a really, uh, really high end shop at the end of the road that bought a lot of Mercedes parts and the parts manager who I had a good relationship with, uh, he, he sent me up with an interview and I just went in kind of hat in my hand and said, I'm, I'm here to learn. I don't know nothing. But I can only the only thing I can give you is that I'll be here every day. Mm-hmm. That's all I can do because I know I can control that, yeah. right? And so that was enough, believe it or not. <laughs> they needed help so bad <laughs> that they were willing to take a risk on an 18-year-old kid. And, and I, I was, I'm incredibly thankful for that. And I, mm-hmm. I'm still in contact with that shop today. And they have since sold to a consolidator. But they kind of track my, uh, my career on social media and see what I'm doing. And, and I credit a lot of the things that they, they I learned from them, uh, why I'm a, a little tenacious today on what I do. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I got into it and, and I tried to learn as much as I could about the business mm-hmm. um, at, at all levels. You know, the painters and the body techs and why the paint guy or why the parts guys did what they did. And um, I, I found that the, uh, the entire business is completely different than mechanical. Yeah. Um, and at the time, it didn't really like seem like a big deal. But and then what I do today... Um, mechanical and collision look at cars very differently. They yes. look at the same car very differently. Mm-hmm. And so being able to draw the line between the two, having worked in both fields, uh, has proved to be incredibly valuable for me. Mm-hmm. So I um, I worked at that same shop for 14 years, um, helped them transition from a kind of a restoration shop into a full-blown Jaguar authorized aluminum repair network shop. Mm-hmm. Um, considerably risky back then because Jag had one aluminum car. <laughs> and uh, the program was over $180,000 to be a part of. And it was a really big risk from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. Of course, at the time, I had no idea of this. It didn't mean anything to me. Right. Uh, but when I look back now, I'm going, wow, that was that owner took a considerable risk doing mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw five of our insurance relationships dwindle to none uh, just because of the, the constraints of the program with the way Jaguar wanted their cars fixed didn't necessarily agree with some of the insurance relationships. And so I had to learn how to ask for things that had never been asked for before mm-hmm. and, and how to explain things to people that maybe weren't technical. And mm-hmm. so I learned a lot of valuable skills on how to read not only car owners, because if you figure a Jaguar owner is probably a, a white collar individual that uh, is maybe a, 
an executive or a, you know, a business owner or something like that. And they have a, a certain perception on how their car process repair process should go. Mm-hmm. Right. And so our, our goal was to try to deliver a first place seat on an airline experience. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so that means we had to do things a little differently, but um, as a young kid, I was just trying to soak up as much as possible. I wanted to be the very best, uh, you know, estimator or repair planner uh, and try to do things that maybe that, you know, were not being looked at, you know, and, and um, repair procedures were a big part of my early career, starting with the mechanical side where it's really in, driven into you uh, and then try to bring that over to collision. Mm-hmm. One of the things that blew me away was that in collision, they didn't look at service manuals. They really they didn't even have access in a mm-hmm. lot of cases. And I found that was pretty crazy, you know, mm-hmm. because it's such a big deal in mechanical, you know. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think that it, it's just, it's been pretty wild, you know, and, and how I ended up with Aztec, I, I knew that it was a, a need that the, uh, the collision repair industry needed. I knew that the bulk of the industry was not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest with you, I was a kid from Florida. I didn't know anybody nationally. I didn't know any of the businesses nationally, the faces. And so I took a fairly rudimentary approach in learning who those people were, mm-hmm. uh, including you. <laughs> so I, I would... Uh, I got. I would go to these national meetings. I'd go to the CIC and kind of sit in the crowd and didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. But I would take note of names and faces, and then I'd look them up on LinkedIn, and I'd connect with many as many of them as possible. Yeah, right. Go. And uh, in LinkedIn, social media platform really played such a big role for us from a company perspective uh, because we launched the first 200 units on LinkedIn alone, and uh, mm-hmm. went into the groups and started pounding these guys about requirements on cars and. You know, I got a lot of messages like, you know, who are you and what do you guys do? And, and like, what, what is this thing that you guys have? And, and so, you know, long story short, we, uh, we were able to take a, a fairly, um, uh, well, it was, it was a new product, a new process and a new step within the repair process uh, and integrate it into what you see today. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, yeah it's just been crazy. I, so. I, it is. And I, I mean, we all share some amazing story and and, uh, but that story has two, two really strong themes. One is you're a sponge and you learn from everybody that you possibly, as much as you can from everybody you can. And two, we all have people within our uh, history that really made a difference in, in how, where we're at and what we've done and, and uh, how we see things and how we want to pay it forward now. And uh, I, I just, I think it's a, a, the industry is what you make it. If, if you can't be happy in this industry, you're probably not going to be happy in any. I see this industry uh, allowing you to have opportunities that you don't have in in every industry. So yeah. uh, I think, uh, you know, your connections and what you do now, you said you're just a kid from Florida. I'm just a kid <laughs> from East Texas. And, yeah. uh, uh, as an only child, I grew up with, with animals, you know, like horses and cows and uh, chickens and uh, didn't have a lot of kids to play with. But here today, you know, I'm, I've, I've been very happy with, with the industry I chose. So I, I, one thing I wanted to tell you is that I, I think that as a youngster, you're, you're, you're constantly looking to pillars in your life, mm-hmm. people that you can trust, right? And that are going to give you the right answer. Uh, they're going to give you an answer that maybe you, you don't like, mm-hmm. or maybe you do like, right? But it's always going to be coming from a good place. Yeah. And for me, it started with my father. But beyond my father, my father had never worked as a professional in the car business. Right. He's been in the trucking side of things. And certainly I could have gone and been Dave's son and worked in the trucking side of it. But that wasn't where my heart was, you know. So I had to find other pillars in my life to 
to cling to and say, hey, I don't know about this and I'm not sure. And what do you think? And and I continue to do that to these to this day, you know. And so I look at guys like Mike Anderson and guys like you know Dan Young and mm-hmm. and and another guy named uh, Wendell Harper that nobody knows. You know, he's a he's a he's a manager in in Florida that I, that I worked with, um, but tremendous people that yeah. have helped me and given me their heartfelt response every time I've ever asked them for something. Absolutely. And yeah. so that's something that you know, as a youngster, you've got to model your game after somebody. And who's that going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I've got somebody I know and somebody I don't know that I model my game after. And so I really like the really, the guy I would like to model my game after is certainly Mike Anderson. The way that he works with people and how he handles even people that may not agree with what he says or whatever it is, he always handles it the right way. The person that I model my game after that I don't know is J.J. Watt because I'm a humble Jaguars fan, and even though he's a Texan, yeah. I love the way he approaches the game. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that gets paid to tackle quarterbacks, but yet he's on a jug machine catching footballs. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I look at it like, man, he's trying to become a complete player. Yeah. And I want to be a complete player at what I do. Even though I work in diagnostics, I still study joining methods and welding and metals and all that other stuff because I feel like you gotta be more than what you than what you sell or what you what you do, right? Yeah. And so I try to, when I get in these meetings with OEMs, you know, they quickly want to shift things to a diagnostics conversation because that's what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. But yet I come out of left field with a body shop discussion mm-hmm. and, and, and I talk <laughs> about metals and painting and all this other stuff. And they're like, wow, that's not what I expected out of this guy. I thought he was an electronics guy. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, a, a nugget that I would give youngsters is be more than what your comfort zone is. Be more than what you think you're good at. Right. And if you're a mechanically minded technician like I was, for me, I didn't know anything about body shop stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I took it upon myself to go try and be an expert at that. Mm-hmm. Go and learn it, do some hands-on stuff, and look for opportunities to be great at it. Yeah. And don't be afraid of what you don't know. Just be aware of it and go tackle it. Yeah. Well, that's great advice. In fact, that uh, answers one of the other questions that I had that, you know, what do you think is important to understand as a newcomer? I think that fits into that really well. Yeah. Um, I. So, uh, any any final advice from your experience would, that you would give to someone coming into our industry? Well, you know, Maybe I think anything that, else. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that as a youngster, um, you know, when you're going through school, um, you're having college and all these things thrown at you, and you're you're you know, for me. You know, I was a 18 year old technician, so I was being military was coming after me for, yeah. hey, we don't should be a diesel technician on a Humvee and all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, there's gonna be a lot of people that decide to go do that. Um, it wasn't for me. I mean, I looked at it like, hey, um, I want to go. I look at it like I have to go do this for a very long time, and if I don't love it, I'm gonna really struggle getting up every morning to go do it. Yeah. Right. And so, go do what you love, mm-hmm. and if that's you know, tuning cars and making a four cylinder make 850 horsepower, then go do that, Mm -hmm. right? Go find an avenue to do that. Whether you're selling the products that do that or you're working in a shop that helps consumers get to that, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever it is. And for me, I loved motorsports and I love technology. And you see new technology in race cars first. Yeah. And so for me, you know, I've known about electric vehicles and night vision and all these things that they test on race cars for a long time. And then they start to get into to production cars, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I just love being around the cars. And it's, it's 100% about the cars and the shops. And one of the most infectious things for me is, is being around a shop owner that, that just wants to do the right thing and is looking for advice and looking for help. And, 
it's never sales for me and I get criticized by my own company sometimes for not closing the deal or signing here or whatever but I look at it like I'm not sell I'm not a guy who sells right but uh, I, I just look at it like you know don't be afraid to take advice you know and feedback criticisms you got to be coachable mm-hmm. um, you're not gonna get everything right and you're gonna have some things that you do just dead wrong um, and you got to be coachable you got to be open-minded to folks around you and I think that Every person that you meet, good or bad, you're going to pick up a little something from them. Yeah. And so um, I think have your head on a swivel um, and, and you've got to be humble and you can't get caught up in uh, all the success you've had or haven't had. Um, you got to just stay humble and keep working, you know, and um, that would be my advice. And, and when you get those opportunities uh, to work at a shop uh, or whatever it might be, just do the very best job you can every day, you know. And, you know, for me, I was the parts guy at a body shop, but I couldn't stand how dirty the place was. So I told the shop owner, I said, hey, do you have a set of keys I could have? Um, I'm going to clean up the shop tonight because nobody's done it. Mm-hmm. And he was shocked. Yeah. Totally shocked. He was like, yeah, have at it, man. Here's the keys. He came in the next morning and was blown away about how clean his shop was because I'm a clean, cleanliness guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he couldn't believe it, mm-hmm. you know? And he said, I don't feel right not paying you a little extra to do that because it was unbelievable. Yeah. I said, well, I just want, I want my fellow employees to work in a clean environment because I think it keeps our cars cleaner and our customers happier. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just how my shop always, my bay was always clean at Mercedes and things like that. And you know, when I would bring in new employees, when I got into the management role, I didn't care about how many hours you could turn as a technician. I want to know how clean you are. <laughs> yeah. Right. I said, because the kid that I hired to clean your cars after you is really tough to replace. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make his job difficult. So you can appreciate where I'm coming from. Yeah. I'm going to pay you to protect the cars in the right way so that we keep them as clean as possible. right? So I just look at it like, you know, do more than what's asked of you uh, as an entry-level employee coming in. And if you're hired as a, uh, a teardown disassembly technician, after you've done your core job of teardown and disassembly, Go over and help a technician hang a core support. Help them hang a bumper cover. Build rapport with the people around you so that when you're ready to take that next step and replace yourself, you've got a lot of people around you that are in your camp going, you know what, this guy's going to be good, and he's going to be a good asset for us, mm-hmm. right? And just make yourself invaluable to that organization. That's that's really great advice. That's um, And and it's, it, it, it's not... Uh, it's not that complicated to be successful, right? It really isn't, and I think that's great advice. Well, uh, uh, Jake Roderoth, thank you for, for taking the time to interview with us. And uh, for Collision Boost listeners, again, the email is collisionboostradio at gmail.com. Uh, send us uh, questions, comments, anything that we can help you with. That's what we're here for. We want to help you be wildly successful in your career in the collision repair industry. Again, Jake, thank you very much, and uh, we'll be talking. Yeah!